So there's something that happens when you have kids. They add something to the environment. So we praise God for the noise that they make that shows us that they are in the building. We pray God's blessings over them. All right, time to eat the word of God. So we're going to begin to prepare our hearts and minds to receive the word that God has for us today. So Father, I thank you that Everything that led up to this point, God, that doesn't belong in our hearts or mind is being moved out of the way. Our appetite for the world is being moved out of the way. The things that we have ingested, Father God, over the course of this week that were worldly and carnal and speak death over us, Lord, we repent for those things, God, and we ask that you would move those things out of the way. Everything that is in our soul, everything that is in the stomach, Father God, of our spirit, man, that doesn't belong there, we ask that you remove it now so that we might have an appetite for the bread of heaven, so that we might have a thirst for your living water. For your word says that those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. So we declare that this is a time for filling. This is a time where we will hear your word. This is a time where faith will come by the hearing of your word. And this is a time that that faith will activate and not be without works. For your word says that faith without works is dead. Father, I thank you that the sinner's ear is open right now in Jesus' name. The church's ear is open right now in Jesus' name. That they might hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the church. Lord, I thank you for your anointing being upon me as your servant and the speaker at this time, and I pray for an anointing to be upon your children, your sheep as well. We need your word. In a world full of lies, in a world full of deception, we need the truth. And I thank you that you're going to deliver the truth by the power of your Holy Spirit in this moment. Lord, open our eyes to see that they might see. Open our ears that they might hear. Lord, bless this message, God about our minds. This message is about our minds because the things that we think, they create our life. The things that we think, they make a path either to life or death. The things that we are currently thinking and believing will take us to the foot of Jesus and, and receive salvation or take us to the foot of Jesus and be denied. The things that we are thinking, the things that we hold into our heart, the confession of our faith, what are we thinking? God, you know that there's some wrong thoughts in this building. There's some wrong thoughts in me. There's some wrong thoughts in them. And we're asking God that you would fix the errors of our thoughts, God, that we we might be thinking just as you think, God, the spiritual mind. I pray life and peace over this message in Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen? Let's give our worship ministry a hand this morning. So thankful for them and the sacrifices that they make to lead us into the presence of God and allow us to worship with them. So we are still in the series called Jesus Beings. I thought it was over, but that's what I get for thinking. We're in a series called Jesus Beings, and what this means is the world calls us Christians, but we say, no, let's go beyond just that title, Christian, because uh, just about anybody can be a Christian, right, uh, anymore. People that are not living a Christian lifestyle are calling themselves Christians, and we know that they are not, but not just everybody can say, I'm a Jesus being, 
right? I've been born again. It's in him that I live and move and have my being, that I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He is my Lord and Savior, and he, he is the one that I am living for and in full obedience to. So the question that we must ask ourselves today, or that I have to ask you, I believe, from the Lord is, what are you thinking? I hardly ever have you do this, but would you look at someone next to you and say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? You didn't have anybody by you, so I... What are you thinking? Ask someone else, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Now listen, usually, usually when you hear that phrase, it typically means that you have done something wrong, right? So if your parent would have said that to you, what are you thinking? Then you know that you messed up, right? Like you have done something wrong, right? And so the Holy Spirit is, has impressed it upon my heart today to ask you as a church, ask us, what are you thinking? Because your thoughts are so powerful that they set the course of your life, okay? So godly thoughts lead to life and peace, while sinful thoughts lead to death. So the question we must ask ourselves is, what are we thinking? Father, as we go into the word right now and open it up, I think you make it clear for us to understand and follow. Father, I think this is not a message of condemnation, but of conviction. Lord, as your Holy Spirit moves us and prods us into righteousness, God, I thank you that our feet might be off in certain thoughts, but Lord, your word can bring us right back to truth. Because as David prayed, Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, Lord, light the way with this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say this with me? The heart. Oh, my goodness, the heart. And God says something about the heart in the Old Testament. He said, it is desperately wicked. How wicked can the heart be? desperately wicked. So we've got to be careful to guard our hearts, and we've got to be careful what is happening in our hearts. And when the Bible talks about the heart, sometimes it's really talking about the mind. There's a heart and mind connection, okay? Proverbs 23, 7 says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever thoughts are in your heart has produced a life for you right? I thought that I would become a police officer, and guess what? That's what I am. I thought that I would become a husband. Guess what? That's what I am. I thought that I'd have children one day. That's what I have. I thought that I'd own a home or a car. I have those things. So whatever, whatever is happening in your heart is what your life has produced, but we have to be careful because whatever you put in that machine called the heart can happen. So the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we have to understand this, that Acts 17, 28 says, for in him, talking about God, we live, we move, and we have our being. So we know that without this natural heart, that we can't live, we can't move, or we can't have our being. So just last night, a brother that uh, attended this church years ago, Brother Randy Johnson, he passed away last night. So be praying for the family of Randy Johnson. Be praying for his wife, uh, who is now widowed, but his heart stopped. And what happens when the heart stops? Your life stops. Your movement stops. In the natural, I'm talking about. Your, your, your life stops, your movement stops, and your being stops here on earth. 
But as a Jesus thing, we have to know that our heart has to be geared towards God because it is in him and him alone that we live and move and have our being. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 through 27. And I got to say this right now. Listen, especially those of us that have been in church for a long time, especially those of us that feel like that we know the way, we've got to be real careful because in the end, there will be people that stand before Jesus and say, well, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. So what that tells me is that you can know about God and not know God. I think we need to say that. Say this with me. You can know about God and not know God. That's big, right? So the people that are in danger of that are the people that come week after week, year after year. You've heard many of sermons, but you've got to say, Lord, I need you to search my heart right now to make sure that it is full of life. Because remember, we have that connection between the heart and the mind. Lord, what am I thinking? Proverbs chapter 4, 23 through 27 says this. Guard your finances above all else. Is that what it says? What does it say? Guard your what? Heart. Guard your heart above all else. Why? Remember, the heart is the mind of the soul, the spirit. So he says, guard your heart above all else. Raise your hand if you believe that the Bible is true, the true inspired word of God right? And that we should probably do what it says, right? And so these are not just suggestions. These are the commands of the Lord. And he says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Remember, we're not talking about this chambered heart in our chest right now. We're talking about the mind, all right? The heart refers to the mind as well. So it says that it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Which way are we looking? Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Last night, uh, my blood sugar dropped very low. I think it was in the 50s, right? And I was feeling very weak. And if you've never felt your blood sugar drop very low, Jim knows what I'm talking about. It feels like death. And I was really on the doorstep of death last night. I could barely move. And it felt like it was, I was, I was toward, coming towards the end. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. Jim, does it feel like that? When your blood sugar drops, you lose all energy, you start to sweat, you get dizzy and confused, and you feel like you're on the doorstep of death itself. And many people say life flashes before their eyes at that time, right? But life did flash before my eyes, at least the first part of life as we know it. Life as we know it means, repeat after me, love, identity, faith, and eternal purpose. That spells life, L-I-F-E. And the first thing I thought about as I felt like I lay there dying, and this is right where my mind went, and this is where your mind needs to go, is the love cycle, right? The first step of love, as we teach it here, is God's love for you. So when I felt like I was dying in that moment, life flashed before my eyes, and I just thought about God's love for me. You know what that did? Moves fear. 
You can't think about God's love and be afraid at the same time, right? Because his love for us is perfect and perfect love drives off fear. So that's what he did for me. My blood sugar was able to, to get higher and I felt a lot better, but it takes a lot out of you. So that's what I was thinking about. While I was dying, I thought about God's love for me and here I stand before you now, he kept me. You've got to know how much he loves you. Your primary thought, say this with me, my primary thought must be God's love for me. Are you guys rapping? Is that, are you rapping that kind of rhyme right there, right? My primary thought must be God's love for me. No matter what's going on in your life, your primary thought in every category must be God's love for you. Raise your hand if you've got adult children and they're outside of your house right now. Don't break your arm raising it so fast. I know you're glad, right? Okay, hands down. So as it pertains to your adult children, right, your first thought must be what? God's love for me. I'm telling you, it's a defense system against all depression. It's a defense system against the devil and all of his power. When you begin to think about God's love for you and just let it bask over you, there's, you understand that there is no weapon formed against you that can ever prosper. So ask yourself this, what am I thinking? I want you to really say that. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? Because what we just learned here is that the course of your life is based upon the thoughts of your heart. So what we have to ask ourselves is, are our thoughts producing life or death in, around, and especially before us? Come on. I want you to be real right now. Come on. Listen, listen to this question. What is your thought life like? Ooh. What is your thought? Not, not your church life, because you all look good. You're, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Praising the Lord. It was all good just a minute ago. But when you leave here, what's your thought life like? Come on. If I had the power to say, okay, Pat, give me your hand. And as he gives me his hand, his thought life pops on that screen, right? If we were to do that, if I were to do that to each of you, say, here I come, some of you would move at Olympic speed. You would be out of here, right? So, so shouldn't we go after that then? If we could admit that our thought life, we wouldn't want it on the screen before everybody, then I think the Holy Spirit is hitting his target this morning by saying, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What is being produced up here? Is it producing life and peace or is it producing evil and wickedness? Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Verses five through six, and it says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Ooh, church, can you say ouch? So if we're scared to have our thoughts displayed on the screen, then it tells me that, there are, that at times our life can be dominated by the sinful nature. But church, can you say no more? 
Come on, that's what Jesus beings are. We've been transformed, right? We don't have to think like the world thinks anymore, right? Now, we might fall, and every thought might not be godly, but we've got a way to work uh, that thing out, and we'll learn that today. So Proverbs 8, I'm sorry, Romans. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So come on, church, let's get free today, okay? If you think about sinful things a lot, right? It means that you're being dominated by that old sinful nature, okay? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Put your hand on your head. Actually, put it on your heart. Put it on your heart, right? Because that's, that's where we're going, after the, the heart of the mind, right? Uh, say this with me. Lord, I thank you that my thoughts are controlled by the Holy Spirit. You guys didn't say, woo, I'm just saying, I'm messing with you. All right. Again, hand on your, put your hand on your head this time. Lord, I thank you that my thoughts are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I think about things that please the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on now. That's called guarding. Church, can you say guarding? He said, guard your heart above all else. And we know that the mind and the heart are that connection that needs to be guarded. So I can't just think about anything, right? Sinful nature, you have no power over me. There's certain movies I just can't watch anymore. There's certain music I just can't listen to anymore. Why? Because I got to guard my heart. Now, you know, if when you go to lunch today, if someone takes their nasty, dirty hand and puts it in your mashed potatoes and takes a bite, you'll be ready to fight. You'll say, why in the world did you do that, right? And you probably do something to him and say, Lord, I repent after this, but I got, I got to handle business right now, right? You would say, why did you put your nasty hand in my food? But yet we'll watch TV shows. Yet we'll listen to music that is full of filth and trash, and we're eating that. Just because it doesn't go in your mouth doesn't mean that it's not going into your heart and your mind. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else. So if we're ready to fight over our food, you should be equally ready to fight over your heart and say, not just anything can come in here. Not just anybody can touch it. Now, I know some of you feel like, oh, that's just so legalistic. No, it's not, right? You wouldn't want anyone with dirty, crusty hands and bleeding and boogers and all kind of stuff fixing your food, right? Who made the music that you're listening to? Who directed the TV show? As we binge watch this Netflix stuff, was it influenced? Come on, listen. Was it influenced by the Holy Spirit? If it was influenced by the Holy Spirit, it's clean and it's life-producing. But if there's, if there's violence, if there's cursing, if there's nudity, if there's perversion, that God didn't cook that. God didn't make that. Man, whew, Lord, help me. They're looking at me funny. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Verse 6. Man, this is good. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That's what happens when we drop our guard. The Bible says, 
Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. So if we fail to guard our heart and we say, ah, it's okay if I watch this, it's okay if I do this, it's okay if I see this, sing this, partake of this, the Bible says what you've just done is this. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever been watching something or listening to something and the Holy Spirit convicts you and said, uh-uh, turn that off? Come on, hands up. Come on. People have to know that the Holy Spirit is real and he really does talk to us, right? So you can be watching a show or listening to a song and the Holy Spirit said, mm-mm. Do you know what that's called? Grieving the Holy Spirit because you're the temple of God and God lives in you. So if you wouldn't watch it or listen to it with Jesus on the couch beside you or in the car, then that means we, we don't do it anyway because we are Jesus beings and Jesus now lives on the inside of us and he has sanctified us and made us holy. So even greater than him being beside us, he's in us, amen? I'm not trying to preach legalism to you. I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to give you the word of God so that you might be presented to God holy and blameless in his sight. Because listen, the, the path to God is very narrow. So it's not that I've got one foot in, in, in God and one foot in the world. No, I think the path is to God is so narrow that it looks like this. Right? And the thing that balances us is, the, is spirit and truth. Come on. Hallelujah. The thing that balances us is spirit and truth. Right? Thank you, Jesus. So the spirit of God helps us. Right? He leads us. And then we can also balance with the truth of God, which is the word of God. So forget what you've been thinking about. Come on. He's trying to correct us. He's asking, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Do you think you can be holy and unholy? Do you think that you can walk in the darkness and in the light? No, he's trying to save our souls because he is either soon to come or we can be soon to go. So wherever there is death, man, this part is real good. I think, no, Lord, I'm not gonna make them mad. Uh, I'm just gonna tell them the truth, all right? I'm not gonna speak that you're gonna get mad at me. You're gonna be glad. You're gonna be glad that you got a preacher that loves you enough to tell you the absolute truth. So here we go. Wherever there is death and chaos in our lives, the source is sinful thinking, the carnal mind, right? Because the spiritual mind produces life and peace. The carnal mind produces death. So if you can look in your life, and let's talk about money for a minute. If your money is a mess, right, then you've got to say, well, hmm, there's not life there in my finances, and there's not peace in my finances. So I must have a carnal approach to money. I must think carnally about money. I must not have, I must not be operating in the wisdom of God when it comes to finances. Nobody got up and ran, no one threw anything at me. So I think that's, I said that in a graceful enough way. Would you agree with that statement? When you have financial peace in your life, it means that you think about finances in a spiritual way. If your finances are all messed up and jacked up, it means that you probably think about finances in a carnal way. For example, I can just put it on the credit. I don't have the money right now, but I want it now. So I'm just going to put it on the credit card and I'll pay it later. Is that carnal thinking or spiritual thinking? 
That's carnal thinking, wanting what the world has, even though we don't have the money to pay for it. Let's keep moving. So what do you think about romance, right? Uh, do you think that it's okay to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you do what married people do in the privacy of their bedrooms? No, that's carnal thinking, right? Spiritual thinking says, here, my thoughts about romance are this. When I get married, that is when I can, I can have the freedom and liberty to express my love physically for uh, uh, the, the man or the woman that God has given me. Come on, think about your whole life. It's not just your church life because everybody looks righteous right now, but what about your thought life, right? So what do we think about health, right? What do we think about food? What do we think about exercise? If it seems as if we're always sick or out of shape or whatever, then what is our approach to health? Is it carnal or is it spiritual? Come on, we gotta say this with me. What am I thinking? You're getting quieter. Don't get mad at me. Come on, let's get free in this place because whatever your mind thinks about, your life has produced it. Do we understand that? Let's keep going here. What do you think about other people? Right? So if I were to come around and grab your hand, and if I were to say, okay, so-and-so, what do you think about that person that sits right there? And they pop up on the screen what you think about them. Would it be right or wrong? Right? How do we fix that? We ask God to help us. Come on, not all of our thoughts are lining up with his word and that's what he wants us to be as Jesus beings, people that think like he does as well. Finally, what do you think about eternity? That's a big one. Do you think you're going to heaven and why? I mean, you should be able to answer that question righteously, right? Do you think you're going to heaven and why? John Lewis, come here and you gotta move fast. You got to move like a Buckeye. Come on, you got to move like a linebacker, right? I know you're going to have the right answer for me. That's why I'm calling you up now. We're saying, what are you thinking? So my question to you is, are you going to heaven and why? Yes, because of Jesus and what he did for me. And I put my trust in him. Ding, 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 ding. Correct answer. Give this man a round of applause, right? If he would have said, I'm a good person, bah. right? Uh, I give all my money to the poor, bah. I follow the commandments since I was young, bah. do you understand the importance of this message? Like, what are you thinking? Because whatever you're thinking is what you're believing and whatever you're believing is what you're producing and where you're going to go and how your life is uh, will be from this point on. So. I've talked about how broken our thoughts are. Holy Spirit, I believe the point has been made that all of our thoughts are not perfect. And the way that we find which thoughts are not perfect in our life, everyone listen up, everyone paying attention. The Holy Spirit has a truth for us right here. The way that we find the broken thoughts in our life is to look at our life and look around at what's broken or what's limping. If my marriage isn't strong, I need better thoughts right here. If my finances are good, I need better thoughts. If my health isn't good, I need better thoughts, right? So we need to fix our thoughts 
by finding the areas in our lives that are not producing life and peace. So how do we fix the wayward mind and broken thought patterns? Who would like to know? Who would like to know how to fix your mind? Amen. Every hand should be up unless you're mad at me. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 1 through 4. Uh, I've known this verse for a long time, but when I searched the verses that were around it, I didn't realize that this was a song of praise to the Lord. Listen to this. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So how do we fix our thoughts? We fix them on Jesus. It says, verse 4, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. So listen, there's an invitation to a select group of people in this passage, and it says, all who are righteous. So that's us as Jesus beings. There is a condition, a state called perfect peace. Church, can you say perfect peace? Man, so that's what we want in our finances. That's what we want in our health. We want that in our marriages. We want that everywhere that we have life, we want perfect peace. But the only way to obtain perfect peace is to have thoughts about these things that are pure and righteous and holy and fixed on Jesus Christ himself. So there's a condition, a state called perfect peace where nothing is missing or broken. The, the new spiritual and born-again mind has peace produced. So we are only kept there in perfect peace. Why? Because we trust him. So to fix broken thoughts, they must be fixed or affixed, positioned towards or nailed to him. So something that's been happening to me recently is, oh man, this happens to all of us, right? The battlefield of the mind, right? How many recently can say like, it's been intense, right? Like your thought life has been intense. Like the enemy's always trying to attack your thoughts, right? Because that's where he tries to hit us, right? Because if you take down the head, the body will fall. So all kinds of thoughts have been coming at me. Thoughts about the church, thoughts about life, thoughts about my marriage. And when I think on that thing, it begins to break me down. It begins to weaken me. It begins to bring me into depression. And it begins to bring me into anxiety. If I think about, well, you know, um, whatever it is, whatever depressing thought it is, well, you know, my daughter's going to be driving soon. I'm going to have to buy her a car. Insurance is going to go higher. So as I think about these things, church, can you say these things? As I think about these things, anxiety begins to overwhelm me. Because I'm thinking about these things. Church, can you say these things? The word says he will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on him. So the enemy desires to bring distractions into your life to make you take your eyes off of him. And as soon as you do, peace leaves. So what I've had to do recently is say, you know what? What am I thinking about? 
When you find yourself depressed and anxious and worried or afraid, you got to stop for a minute and say, wait a minute, what am I thinking about, right? It's no different than the sense of smell. None of you would sit in your homes and smell fire and do nothing about it. You would have a reaction because, wait, it smells like smoke in here. Let me go check it out. So the same thing happens to the condition called peace. When your peace leaves, it's because your thoughts have transitioned off of Jesus on to a problem or whatever it is. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, and it says this, casting down arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So this is how we fix our thoughts and correct them. So God says, think like this, Right? And sometimes we find ourselves thinking like this. How do we fix it? We have to tear down that thought, grab that thought, right? Reach up and grab that thought and say, nope, this is not how the Lord told me to think about this person. This is not how the Lord told me to think about life. I'm going to make this thought obedient. Can you, can you all make a fist as if you have a thought in it, right? So listen, I want you to move your fist, move it. Right, So you see how you just shifted your fist? You've got the power by the power of the Holy Spirit to grab a thought and change it, right? Because listen, oh my God, that is so good, Holy Spirit. It would be no different than you driving your car and let's say you pick up a stranger, right? You're being compassionate to a stranger and you're going to give them a ride because it's raining and they're in your passenger seat. All of a sudden, they reach over while you're driving and they grab the steering wheel and try to take you off course, right? You would not let that happen. You would move their hands and get a hold of the wheel again and say, stop it, you're gonna kill us. What are you doing? So it's no different when the enemy grabs the steering wheel of your mind and says, I want you to think like this, right? Look at this. This is chaos. This is fear. You need to be worried about this. You need to grab that thought and say, nope, I'm bringing it back into the obedience of Christ. Jesus said I should keep my heart and my thoughts on him. Jesus said I should guard my heart above all else. I'm going to keep my thoughts fixated on Jesus Christ so that I can have peace. You have to understand that the only source of perfect peace is Jesus. Listen, it's not all your bills being paid. I guarantee you this. Listen to me. If I paid all your bills for the rest of your life, do you know that you still have problems? Well, at least I wouldn't have that one. But you still have problems. Even if you had enough rich, do you not understand that rich people jump off buildings still? So money doesn't solve everything. Money doesn't bring, money alone does not bring peace. Jesus is the source of peace. I promise you this will work. The next time you're depressed, worried, anxious, afraid, say, what am I thinking about? And I guarantee you that thought is an intruder. The enemy has grabbed the steering wheel of your mind, of your heart, and told you to go this way so that he can lead you into destruction. But you will, by the power of God, in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So then how do we get into perfect peace? How do we get our thoughts on and especially in Christ? It takes a sacrifice. The way that you enter back into peace is it takes 
a sacrifice. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. This is the amplified version. So, Father, I thank you for where we've come this far in the message. First, we learn that all of our thoughts aren't pure sometimes. Then we learn why. Because the enemy tries to grab the steering wheel of our mind and bring us into captivity and bring us into bondage, God. But you said that we can grab his hand, we can grab that thought and bring it back into obedience. So God, I thank you that you've given us power over our thought life. We don't have to think wrong about money, about health, about romance, about other people, about eternity, because God, if we just keep our mind on you, you will tell us the truth about each of these things and all that has to do with life. In Jesus' name, amen. So now when we catch ourselves thinking wrongly, when we find these wrong parts of life, when we see that the marriage is dying, finances are dying, and there's trouble in our life, what do we do about it? It takes a sacrifice. Matthew 16, 24 through 25 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. Church, can you say must? So the way that you get back into fellowship with God and into right thinking, you've got to first understand that we entered into sin and to disobedience by thinking wrong thoughts, okay? And we've got to say, you know what? Mm -mm. Nope, I'm not going this way. I'm going to sacrifice this thought. I'm going to sacrifice myself. So he says, I must deny myself, which means what? Set aside selfish interests. And take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me, which means believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Verse 25, for whoever wishes to save his life, remember, we have to guard our hearts because out of the issue, out of it flow the issues of life. The way that we think is the same way that we walk. When you're driving a car on 75, if you look to the left too long, which way is the car going to go? To the left. Whichever way your eyes are going, eventually that's where your body goes too. So this is saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. And whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world, for my sake, will find it. That is life with me for all of eternity. So to be a Jesus being, we must follow him even in suffering as a sacrifice. So if I've been treating my, if my marriage is bad or my marriage is on the rocks and I go before the Holy Spirit and I say, okay, God, this needs fixed. And, and he says to me, okay, pick up your cross and deny yourself, which means what? Humble yourself. Maybe you're doing something wrong because our selfish state is it's always them. Your selfish nature, husbands and wives, is to always say, well, if they would just do this, then things would be all right. If they would just listen to me, then we would be good. No, it says take up your cross. And the Bible never tells us to pick up somebody else's cross and give it to them and say, here, you need to die on this. No, it says take up your cross, right? Deny yourself and follow him. So that is what we're doing. We're becoming a sacrifice. So if you want to change your life, Church, you must first change your thoughts. Every single one of you can be blessed beyond belief as it relates to finances if you would first just change your thoughts and say, Lord, I was raised, I saw mama do it like this, 
and this is the way that I still do it. Or somebody taught me this is how it should be done, and this, this is how I do it. Come on. So whatever's broken, if we're going to change our lives, we have to change our minds first. If you want a better marriage, we got to change our minds first, right? Sometimes, husbands, when our wives tell us something, we hear it as nagging. Don't look at her. We hear it as nagging. But the truth is, what she's really saying for the most part is, here's how to fix it. 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 And when we're in pride, we reject it. But if you want a better marriage, you got to pick up your cross and deny yourself and say, Lord, I believe that you live in her. And this could be you saying, this is how to fix this thing. So Lord, I submit my own will to you for the sake of my marriage. Because no marriage works when anyone is self-centered. When you're self-centered, it has to always be your way. And you, my friends, are not always right. If you're married in here, can you say this with me? I am not always right. Husbands, did you record that? No, I'm just messing with you. All right, none of us are always right. So if there's problems in the marriage, we've got to be able to say, Lord, I just, I I want things to be right, and I'm not seeing peace. I'm not seeing life. So that means my carnal mind is in this somewhere. Man, this is good teaching. I don't care if you don't like it or not, it's good teaching. If there's problems in the marriage, that means my carnal mind is in here somewhere. If there's problems in our finances, that means my carnal mind, my sinful mind is in here somewhere, all right? And that's how we can fix it by coming to God through the sacrifice of self. Galatians 2.20, and uh, you can come on, please, and thank you. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Can you say that with me, church? I have been crucified with Christ. Okay, you can stop right there. This is, this is good. This is the conclusion that he has for us today. The question that we asked ourselves today is, what are you thinking, right? So what God wants to know is, are you thinking spiritually, which leads to life? Or are you thinking carnally, what, what, that leads to death? And the, and the proof of it, the evidence of it is the fruit. So if you see fr- the fruit of your marriage is failing, The fruit of your finances, failing. The fruit of your health is failing. We gotta say, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't life and peace. I'm supposed to have life and peace all around me. And if I don't see that, it means I went back to stinking thinking. I went back to my carnal mind. I went back to my sinful and selfish ways. If I want life and peace, then that means I gotta think like he does. Come on. His ways and his thoughts are high above our own. And the only way to enter into his state of thinking is to die. Is to say, Lord, I'm no longer in charge. Lord, I belong to you. Lord, help me. I have thought myself into a mess. I have thought my marriage into a mess. I have thought my health into a mess. I have did this, God, by my thoughts. I repent, Father, for not guarding my heart. Because the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, which is the mind of your soul. So, Father, as I pray over them today, before even concluding this message, may repentance come into this place. And, Lord, I am so thankful that you make all things new. 
you make all things new. We've been trying to figure it out when you just say, no, I just want you to enter into my rest. I've got a plan. Stop trying to make me bless your plan and just enter into the plan that's already perfect that I have for you. Help me to think right, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to something else I've got to tell myself on. Um, I have been having some self-sabotaging thoughts, right? So listen to this. This is powerful, right? So there are times that your mind can be so creative that it will think for other people and you will have a dialogue of what they're thinking and what they're saying and how they feel about you and you'll receive that as truth. For example, there's some of you maybe that um, think somebody in this church doesn't like you and you thought to yourself, you know what? They never speak to me. I speak to everybody else, but don't ever speak to me. And they're on this side of the church saying, she doesn't like me. She never speaks to me. They speak to everybody else. Don't ever speak to me. Listen to me. Never, ever, ever, ever have the dialogue of someone else's thoughts in your own mind, right? Because the enemy can twist it so bad that you'll think that someone doesn't like you and that's not even true at all. Do you understand that? Listen. You've got one mind, use it on you. Don't be trying to think for somebody else, right? So Father, I pray against that, God. I pray against, see, there's people that we work with that we think that they don't like us but because we had a conversation in our head hearing their voice and it was really the voice of the enemy. Man, it was really the voice of the enemy, a lying spirit that came upon us to make us think that this is the way this person thinks about us and it's not even true. So Lord, I rebuke that in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, what that's called is self-manipulation. That's called self-manipulation. When you think that someone thinks a negative way about you, but they never even said that. And so here's what God helped me, helps me uh, to fight off depression and fight off every thought of the enemy. There's a, there's a three-word phrase that God has blessed me with that, that defends my mind against the enemy. And here it is. Any thought that I have before, man, it guards the heart, right? Any thought that I have before I let it enter my heart, I don't always catch all of them, but this is what I say. Is it true? Come on, is it true? Every thought that comes across your head isn't true. Say this with me, every thought that comes in my mind isn't true. Come on, you gotta receive that, come on. Because if the enemy can make you believe it's true, he can tear your life apart. People have committed suicide because they heard thoughts in their minds that were not true. It's called self-sabotage. So Lord, we just resist those thoughts in Jesus' name. All right, here we go. The conclusion of the message, right, is this. So if we've been truly crucified with Christ by faith, then what happens to the body? So question for you. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and his spirit went to heaven, did his body go to at that time? No, his body still stayed on the cross, right? And they, they moved him into the grave and for three days later, he rose from the grave. So at every crucifixion, every crucifixion produces a body, right? 
So what do we do with the body? If we've been crucified with Christ, that means our bodies are still here. And the question we need to answer by the Holy Spirit's power and truth is, what do we do with the body? Remember what I told you a little bit ago? In order to transition from wrong thinking into right thinking, it requires a sacrifice. Roman 12, Roman chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tells us what to do with the body. So if you've been born again, it means that you have been crucified with Christ, but still we've got this body. So where does the body go, God? What do we do with the body? Listen to this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. What do we do with our bodies? Give them to God, right? Because of his, all he has done for you. Let them be a living, man, this is good. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. So listen, we've been crucified with Christ. Every crucifixion brings about a body. What do we do with the body? We give it to God. Come on, my body, say this with me. My body belongs to God. My mind belongs to God. All right, so listen. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. So that's what your body is now when you've been crucified with Christ. It's a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, are you ready? Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then, church, can you say then? Then you will learn. Remember the question of this message is, what are you thinking? It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Lord, when it comes to my finances, what is your will for me? It's good and pleasing and perfect. Lord, when it comes to my health, what is your plan for me? It is good and pleasing and perfect. What about my marriage? Good, pleasing, and perfect. Well, how do I get there? Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind right? So say this with me. As you stand, as we stand all over the building, we've got to learn how to renew our minds. So if the marriage isn't good, renew your mind. If your thoughts about yourself isn't good, you have to renew your mind. If, if your finances, if your health, if they're not good, what needs to happen? Renew your mind. Because as your life as is, is what you believe that it could be. You're as far as your belief because we live by faith and not by sight, right? Man, this is good teaching. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for telling us the truth. I thank you that you change us into a new person that, that knows how to please you by changing the way we think. Man, can you just lift your hands all over the building? Kim, Kimberly, your hands are lifted in the spirit. Lord, I, we surrender our bodies to you. Oh my goodness. Whoa, this is powerful. 
Lord, we surrender our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. We have been born again, God, but somewhere along the way, we thought our body, we got to keep our bodies. <laughs> we thought you saved our souls, but we got to keep the body. But you're saying, I don't want just the soul, I want the body too. So we present our bodies to you, hallelujah, as a living and holy sacrifice so that we might be acceptable, Father, in your sight. Thank you, Jesus. You can, you can put your hands down now. Listen, listen to my final passage. And I titled this one, Don't You Realize and Don't You Know? Listen to this. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, and listen, uh, we don't have wooden or gold idols anymore. An idol right now is just whatever we put before God. So that iPhone can be an idol. Your kids can be an idol. The television money can be an idol. An idol is anything we worship instead of God, all right? Let's keep going. Or commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or the abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. Listen to this but you were cleansed. You were made holy. Somebody should be saying hallelujah. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. I forgot that was even in there. And that's what he had us doing at the beginning of worship was just saying his name over and over and over again. So I would like to invite all of those to the altar who, who say, you know what, I am ready. I am ready for the transaction of having a new mind. I've been struggling. I've been struggling with my thoughts. Please do not be embarrassed. Just come up and get your victory. We're passing out victory right now. We're going to pray and we're going to enter into victory. If you've been being attacked in your mind, and, I, and I'm down here too, I know I'm up here, but I'm with you. I want you to come down to this altar. If you've been having some battles in your mind, some battles with your thoughts, don't be embarrassed. You're not embarrassed to dial 911 when it's an emergency. So don't be embarrassed at the house of God, the house of prayer. Don't be embarrassed. Come on. Come on. We all go through this, those things sometimes where our thinking's not just right. You're like, man, where did this thought come from? This, this is, I don't think like this. I don't talk like this. Cuss words coming out of nowhere. Lust coming out of nowhere. Fear coming out of nowhere. There should be more people down here. Listen to me. God is gracious. We celebrate your decision to say, Lord, help me. Lord, help my mind. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's all throughout the Bible. They, listen, he tells us how to think, like put on the mind of Christ. There's nothing to be ashamed of right now. There should be more people down here. Don't you be stubborn. Don't be prideful. 
Come on. We all need to put on the new mind, right? All right. How do we call it out, right? So what's your life looking like? Are you telling me that your life is perfect? Are you telling me that your thoughts are so perfect that your whole life's perfect? That there's nothing that can be fixed in your mind at all? Come on. This is who this altar call is for. Father, I break the power of shame in this place now. I break the power of pride in this place now. In Jesus' name, if you don't want to come alone, grab somebody's hand that's beside you. You're coming for help. You're not coming to be called out or embarrassed. You're coming for help. If you need help with your thought life, please come down here. There's some people on the back row of each section that need to be down here right now. Listen, you can't beat the devil by yourself. You need help. And all those who call upon the name of the Lord, they will receive his salvation and help in time of trouble. Come on. If your life doesn't look like what you know it should, come down here. We got to change your mind. He needs to change your mind. If you think that you're, if you have, if you have thought sometimes that, you know what, I'm no good. This world would be better without me. If it wasn't because of me, the family would be further ahead. I do this wrong. I do that wrong. Come on. This is, this is for those who beat themselves up. If you ever have thoughts that, that are really hard on yourself, will you please come down? Come get deliverance right now. And it's not me that's going to do it. It's actually your movement is healing you. Your faith is healing you as you come forward. It has nothing to do with me at all. It's your trust in the Lord. For he will keep them in a place called perfect peace whose mind is stayed on them. Come on. If you feel like sometimes that you're just on a ship being tossed to and fro, it's good on Monday, but on Tuesday, it feels like your whole life's flipped upside down. If you feel like that you just don't have stability in your thoughts sometimes, that they're just always racing, you should be down here right now. If you find yourself depressed or worried, if you find yourself overeating sometimes, if you find yourself drinking alcohol to calm yourself down, you need to be down here right now. If you're using any kind of substitute for peace, you need to be here, right? Any kind of substitute for peace, nicotine, shopping, whatever it might be, you need to be down here right now. If you're battling any kind of addiction, you should be here right now. Your mind needs to be changed. Freedom from addiction is just a change of mind, right? That I don't need this substance anymore, that God is enough. All right, consulting with Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, is this, is this everyone? Is this everyone? Okay, so listen, if you're still, if you're not standing down here now, and, and you know somebody that's really been struggling with thoughts in their mind, would you come down here to stand for them? If you know someone that's really been struggling with life and really not thinking like they should, would you by faith come down here and just represent them in prayer? We want to open it up for those people to please think about someone else. If you feel like you got it all together, well, praise God. But do you know someone that doesn't have it all together? Do you know someone living in sin, but they think it's okay? Do you know someone who needs to be free from thoughts that are leading to death so that they might come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? If that's you, if you know someone like that, please come down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Okay, so listen to me. He told us this. He said, um, in order for us to transition from wrongful thinking, from the death that carnal thoughts has produced back into life, it takes a sacrifice. If you're standing up here, can you say this with me? It takes a sacrifice. So listen to me. You're the sacrifice. So just lift your hands at this time. You are, you are the sacrifice. You are the sacrifice that he requires. I'm going to read this passage over you. I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to transition back into his peace. All right? So we're going back to Romans 12. And I'm down here joining you as well. And here's what it says. Hallelujah. And if you can pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit quietly as we do this, quietly. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I beg you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Listen to this. This is how we fix it. This is how we fix it. Listen, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's our problem a lot of times. We're copying what the world is doing. They're saying that this brings joy to your life. This brings peace to your life. It's all a lie. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Well, my friend treated his wife this way, or I saw my dad treat his wife. No, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, okay? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Say this with me. God, I am letting you transform me into a new person by changing the way I think. Then I will learn to know your will for me, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Pause. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your word says you will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I want each of you to take your right pointer finger and point it up high. Point up your, take your right hand and point your pointer finger high, right? So Father, your word says that you will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. It's only your thoughts about the Messiah that produce peace in your life. That's it. So the problem that you have coming to an end is not perfect peace. The only perfect peace that you can find is Jesus. He gives you perfect peace because everything's not going to go your way all the time, but he is for you. So Jesus, as we point to you now, may our minds be fixated on you. When the storms blow and the winds blow and the battle rages, may we remember these fingers pointing up to the heavens and say, I will keep my mind on him because I trust him.
And because I trust him, he promised, he promised to keep me in perfect peace. So Father, we receive the transaction, the divine transaction of our attention being on heavenly things. We receive the divine transaction of your peace because we trust you and our focus is on you. So even when we walk away from here, we might still have some problems that surround us, but we're not looking to the left nor the right. We're looking up. For the word says, I will look unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from who? The Lord. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise in this place. If you're down here right now and you don't know Jesus,